cliffcentral.com. Gigi is one of those people who seem like they've lived nine lives all wrapped up in one. She's been a budding actress. She got into the world of erotic dancing, and she's one of the biggest strip club bosses in the country. She has so many stories to share, and I'm glad that she got to make some time for us. Here she is, uh, Pearl von Skullquake, a.k.a. Gigi. How are you? I am very frustrated. <laughs> I'm sitting in, I've been on lockdown, and we haven't opened up so and. So many people, so many girls are asking for their jobs back. Very frustrated. So the, you're talking about the lollipop lounge, right? Yes, yes. So, all right, when I met you years ago, you were still dancing. You were still a, a, a dancer yourself. Yeah. I danced for 15 years. I know. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, I remember like uh, you, you were you were obviously the, one of the, the, the best dancers in the country. People knew your name. Everybody knew who you were. Um, but it, it, was, it was obviously a hell of a road before that. So I want to start right at the beginning. You actually went to university in Stellenbosch. You, you, you got a drama degree. You were performing yes. as an actress for a long time, and you, you joined a, an anti-drug school show for a little bit. So this all sounds very, um, all very safe and, yeah. and very decent and very nice. But then you actually joined executive shows as a dancer, and you danced with them for 15 years, as you've just said. 1997, yeah. you won Penthouse Pet of the Year. What was that was a big deal then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was great. I mean, and we were flown to the Seychelles. We did some shoots in um, all over, Mauritius. And, and the great thing was there was so much money for things like that in those years. Yeah. Um, it was good times. It was good years. I mean, magazines were a, were a big enterprise. And if you were the penthouse pet of the year, you were the most important woman in adult entertainment in South Africa, right? It was a great title, and it was a great title to have, especially when, when it came to the dancing. So I got more shows, more bachelor parties. I was very well known for the bachelor parties those years. Right. Um, and it was safe. It was safe to do those shows. You know, it was safe to go around and, and do it. Now, now times has changed, and you know, it's, I think it's just safer for the girls to work in a club at the moment. Yeah, tell me about what you've seen in terms of changes, because you really have experienced it inside and out. And, and I think that for a lot of people, there's the fantasy element. But there's also that, that element of, of, of fear and of danger and of the dark side of these things. And a lot of men who take advantage and, and the money and the drugs and all the rest of it. So tell me now, in terms of the way you look back on your life how much has happened and, and, and all the people you've met and the things you've done. What for you have been the highlights and the lowlights, just off the top of your head? Well, one of the highlights definitely was experiencing the old Hillbrow and working in the clubs in Hillbrow and the people that I met along the way there. It was a, it was a great, great place. And I think um, that's all gone. And also all the little clubs on the East Rand and the nightclubs on the East Rand. And it was, it was just... It was an amazing time, and you could travel from the one club to the next club, and you met the club owners and the other dancers that worked with us. The shows were glamorous, a lot of diamante on the costumes. It was it was great times, and we danced downtown in Joburg. The clubs were packed with people. Yeah, it was wonderful. I remember you also got involved with uh, with Dion Opperman when he wrote Nipple Caps and G-Strings, right? I met Dion Oppenmann when I was uh, table dancing at the Tilly Twister, which was also a magnificent club. I mean, there's, there's never been another club like the Tilly Twister. I and love I the Dion... Tilly Twister. I remember that. That was, Andrew, that was Andrew's first uh, club before he opened up the Grand. 
Yes, and yeah, I danced there for him. I, I first I first danced for Andrew uh, on the ranch side. He built a beautiful theatre there at 11 o'clock at night. He had 11 girls on stage, and that's how I met him. I danced the same song three years in a row, Mustang Sally, every night. <laughs> and from there, we, um, he built the Teddy Twister, then I danced for him at the Teddy Twister, and I met Dion at the Twister. And I performed nipple caps and G-strings. Uh, Dion wrote nipple caps and G-strings for for me, and I performed it for ten years all over the country at all the festivals. I was I was so honoured to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and also because you could combine all the acting stuff and 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 the it's dancing, right? A full circle because I could combine my my uh, theatrical background with the knowledge that I have got of the strip clubs and also the show was really directed towards women and to tell women to fantasize more in marriages and to come in, come to the clubs like the Lollipop Lounge now and come and sit down and watch the girls on stage because they're so powerful in when they're on stage and they, they experience, they play around with their sensuality and the, they've got such, you know, they're such incredible performers um, but we've got we see more and more married couples that spend uh, come over the weekend and sit down and watch the girls and have a dance together because when you're dancing for a married couple, you really are dancing for the woman and it's so nice to dance for a woman I must say but you're actually doing it show for the husband as well because uh, men just love to see two women touching each other. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> Gigi, like like the most I keep I keep calling you Gigi. I hope you don't mind the. The attitudes to sex have changed quite a lot over the years too, and this is where I really need your experience to to help me understand how much it's changed. When you started dancing, it was very much a taboo thing. People didn't tell people that they'd been to a strip club. Now I think everybody is kind of open and honest about it. They're obviously still, for a lot of people, some taboos around it. They're conservative people in society. But the idea of 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 adult entertainment, of dancers, of strippers, of sex, of you know having a, a nightlife that's exciting like that. All of that is very different to the way it was when you started in the nineties, right? Yeah, a lot of girls did ne- they never spoke about what they did, and they were shy about what they did. Now we advertise for dancers on um, campus. We've got so many girls coming in that's uh, stripping to make money, putting themselves through varsity, well-educated girls. And um, the whole thing about strippers has just changed. I, I, I think it doesn't really matter where you get your – these girls are earning good money, um, but it's a very special type of girl that can become a stripper. It's not – she's got to be an extroverted girl with a, with a good body. That helps. And um, so it's not every girl that can become a – I always say – I always tell new girls that come in – if you need to drink to dance, you're not a dancer. If you like what you do, you have to like the idea of taking your clothes off and performing. Then, you, then you're going to make it. And these girls have to be tough, right? They can't be weak. They can't be, they can't be these soft. Uh, yeah, it's really hard because there are things where you have to stand up for yourself and you have to be confident and you also have to be able to, to say no. And you have to deal with a lot of men who don't know the rules. The thing is, it's a hard industry, it's long hours, the competition is fierce. When you're working in a club with about 30 or 40 girls, there's maybe about 10 girls that's really that's stunning, stunning, stunning girls, and you, you've got to compete with these girls. 
Mm. Um, and also, you know, the, the competition between the girls are fierce as well. Um, and it's and it's going to be even harder now, I think, when we go back and I reopen the club because I'm, I'm waiting for the curfew to go. I cannot run a strip club until nine o'clock in the evening. It's no. just, I can't do that. And, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a very hard industry, but it's a rewarding industry. I've done it. I've danced for 15 years and I made a career out of it and I bought property and I'm in the fortunate position now to run a business. Um, it's not a normal, if you, if you don't have experience to run a strip club, then don't even think of venturing into anything like that. Now, you've, you've got other businesses too. I mean, you've been busy with a lot of things. Uh, you opened a Feinbos distillery, a craft distillery. Um, you yeah. said property is part of your interest. Tell me about some of these other things that have nothing to do with, you know, the, 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 the dancing or the clubs. I um, uh, Mike, Mike and myself, my, my co-partner at the Lollipop Lounge, is my husband now. <laughs> um, yeah, congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. So he, um, the, the two of us has got a couple of guest houses. We've got a guest house in Randburg and we've got guest houses here in Cape Town. Um, my idea of what, what we did with the guest house in Randburg was to make it like a little boutique hotel. So we've got guests that stay there, but they stay only on long term. And then we provide the toweling and fresh, uh, we make up the beds and we make, we do their kitchens and everything. Um, so we've got people that's been with us for many years staying in the guest house. <laughs> um, and also we, uh, at the beginning I built the house for the dancers, but then it turned out so lovely. So I'd be very proud of the guest house in Randburg. And then here in Cape Town, I've got the guest houses here. And then fame was the store, you know, many years ago, Andrew at the ranch, he said to me, Gigi, there's only money in two things. There's money in girls and there's money in alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> and so then it just happened that I, there was a little distill on the Sir Robert Stanford estate here in Stanford, and I loved this place. It overlooked the dam. It was such a, a unique little building, like a Mexican taparna. And I went to Jan because the little distill closed down, and I, the, the owner of the farm, and I said to him, Jan, this is just a magnificent little building. Mm-hmm. You can't close this distill. And then he said to me, Gigi, I know nothing of distilling. And then I said to Mike, well, let, let's start opening this thing again. And so we went on distilling courses. We put our staff through distilling courses. Now we bought a little mini factory, a, a bigger premises. So we're not on the Sir Robert Stanford estate anymore, but we're in the industrial area of Stanford. Mm-hmm. And we have now produced award-winning gins, um, craft gins and very nicely mancello, grappas, uh, we make white liqueurs. Oh, it's, I just love it. It's fantastic. And also, we use, you, you know, but the, the magic of making spirits is that we're using all the offcuts that after the farmers has, um, all the grapes and all the skins and all that stuff and we ferment it. And, but I've, I'm working with a great distiller now, Isaac van der Valt. He's come up from Centurion. And him and his wife, they live in Stanford. So I'm working with these really, really interesting people. And I just love the smell of fermentation. Yeah, I mean, listen, making alcohol, that's a, that's a very specialized thing. And once you get into it, I think it must be one of the most exciting things because you can really turn anything into alcohol, right? Yes, it's, it's, it's very exciting. And our products, we, it's just, and also working with the young people of Stanford, all our waitresses, all our chefs, everybody lives in Stanford across the road. They just walk, walk to work. It's interesting to work with the young people in the area. 
So didn't you win uh, Survivor in like 2010 or something? Yes, 2010, yeah. <laughs> Feels like such a long time ago. Yeah, fun though. I mean, it must have been a very different experience, but I mean, no, no sweat for you because you've, you've, done, you've done much harder stuff than that. What was that? It's not a fun, it's not fun doing Survivor. It's really, it was really tough, you know. Everybody thought like, okay, you go back to the hotel in the evening, but we were very dirty and very skinny. And I, after, I won, after I came back from the island, I couldn't eat normally, normal meals for a while because your body had to adapt. Jeez. Yeah, it was hard. So where do you live at the moment? Where do you spend most of your time? I, for lockdown, I packed up the car with my two dogs. I said to Mike, we're going to spend lockdown in, um, here in France, Carl, in France, by. And I've been there five months. I, 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 normally, I normally come down here for maybe two weeks the most. And we've been here five months. And it's, it's been an incredible experience. And it's going to be hard going back to Joburg. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned the dogs. How many are there? Two. My pit bull and... But border collie, she's lying next to me now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you're still you're still in regular contact with uh, Elna, who's a, a mutual friend of ours, um, Dr. Yeah. Elna McIntosh. She's terrific. Love, uh, yeah, I've worked with Elna. I met her many years ago at the ranch. She worked with the girls there. Um, yeah, she's a great woman. And whenever I've got a problem with the girls, I I um, I, I always say, please go and see Elna. Yeah, so she's a, she's wonderful to know. Yeah, she's got such a great knowledge. Yeah. And I have been, I've spent my lockdown so well because I've been writing the book, and Juice Springs, the book, and I've been working with uh, Melinda Ferguson and uh-huh. Land Rue. These are such powerful girls. It was yeah. such a, and I'm so proud of the book now. The book is going to come out in October. Excellent. And it gave me time to finish the book. Yeah, I've used my time wisely. So can I ask you something about the girls quickly? I don't want to sound insensitive about this, but we're going through tough economic times. And for many people, for many people, this is a line of work that will open up to them because it's one of the things that they know they can do. You know, you get some, some girl who's in good shape. She knows that uh, there are lots of men who will pay money to see her dance. Are you, are you seeing an uptick in the number of auditions, uh, girls who are coming to you that you? So many, so many. This morning, six o'clock, I had, about three photos coming through. Last night, I've had so many girls phoning me. Um, yeah, there's the clearly filled with, with girls. So, I, but the, the unfortunate thing is, I just hope customers out there is going to have enough money to spend on all of them because there's going to be so many, so many beautiful girls. And South Africa has got the most beautiful, beautiful girls. Um, so. I think it's going to be really exciting times, and I think the men in South Africa is going to be spoiled to see the, the, the quality and the class of the girls that's going to be out there in the clubs. What do you tell the girls who work work with you who have relationships? Because that's a very hard thing to manage. How do you tell them to to get their relationships to survive at the same time as they're doing the dancing? And that's what I write about in my book. My my first marriage. Um, didn't work out because of my dancing, and I talk about that because we were really like ships uh, that passed each other in the night. Um, but if you don't, you've got to have a lot of trust in a relationship. If you want to tell your partner that I want to become a stripper, he's got to really trust you. You've got to, you've got to, he's got to understand. You know, dancing is like smelling a great plate of food. Yeah. 
You know, you smell it if you eat at home. And if if, you, if your partner don't understand that, then it's not going to work. If there's, if there's jealousy involved, it's not going to work. We do not allow boyfriends at all in the clubs. Yeah. And sometimes the girls keep it secret, and all of a sudden we see the same guy coming in all the time, and she's spending a lot of time talking to him. Uh, then you've got to figure out, is this now the boyfriend that's sitting there, or what's going on? But mm. it's unproductive. To have boyfriends in the clubs, sitting around in the clubs. What are the what are the other what are the other rules that that people who aren't in the dancing world won't know about that that these girls have to comply with? I mean, like, what kinds of rules do you have at Lollipop Lounge for the girls? Well, it's it's this whether you're working in the bank or whether you're dancing at Lollipop Lounge. There's rules. There's house rules. So we're very strict about what time they need to come in. Um, you know, if, if, they, if they, because we allow them to drink with the guys, but if she's had too much to drink, then we can take you off the floor and tell you rather to go home. Um, so they, they, every club has got its own set of house rules, and you have, and, and you, if you become a dancer, you're going to need to abide to those rules because that's we've been doing this for many, many years, and we've worked with so many girls. And um, like I at Lollipop Lounge and. I've got a gag order, and I brought the gag order after Survivor because they gave us a gag order in between competitions where you weren't allowed to talk to each other. And I put a gag order in my dressing room at when they, the girls, it all get dressed at um, 2 o'clock in the morning, we close the bar, and the girls come in, and they know that there's no talking allowed in that dressing room because a girl that can't talk cannot fight. So I know that sounds harsh to some people, but at the end of the night, everybody's uh, everybody's really um, tired, and I think it's better if we just do not talk, and then we all go home and we all do the same thing the next so, day, all over again. Hang on, you mean a gag order for for the girls not to talk to each other, or you mean that they don't talk about the guys who come into the club? No, they're not allowed to talk to each other at all, because. You know, a lot of times there's a lot of competition about you took my client and you did this, and that's why I'm very strict. There's a mm. no gag order in my dressing room. Wow. Okay, <laughs> I, I didn't know about that. That's fascinating. <laughs> a girl that can't talk can't fight. Huh. And, and, and <laughs> women will find reasons to argue, right? Of course, of course, because there's, um, it's, it's about money. I mean, that's, that, that's why otherwise you're wasting your time in the strip club. Jeez. Everybody's there to make money, and there's huge competition between the girls. Yeah, yeah. That that competition does it ever get to a stage where girls are doing things that you would not approve of in order to to one up the other girls or to get more money? I, you know, I I don't allow the girls on their cell phones. They're not allowed to have their cell phones out. They're not allowed to take um, numbers of customers. Hmm. Um, so that's that's house rules. Um, uh, there's a couple of things that I don't allow them to do. Um, I don't allow stilettos on my furniture because it's costing a lot of money to reupholster yeah. the furniture. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's a good point. All little, all little stuff. I also do not allow my bouncers to go out with my dancers. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's some, I've got a little, uh, enough, those rules are there in place because I've learned a lot of stuff over the years. What is the most money that you've ever heard a girl make in one night? And and what is the low end of that? I mean, can a girl leave after being in the club for like three hours with zero money? I've I've heard I've heard of a girl that made hundred thousand rand one night. Hundred thousand rand in one night. One hundred thousand rand, and I call it a hundred thousand rand girl. 
Yeah. Um, and now during lockdown, I, I, I was I found it so funny because she phoned me and she was like, Shishi, what must I do? I'm eating two-minute noodles here and I've got to clean the house. What must I do? How long are we going to sit like this? <laughs> and I... <laughs> yeah. So, but the girls can make a lot of money and especially if you dedicate it, if you, if you hang in there because you never know it's a gamble. You know, you've got to work Mondays to Saturday nights and you can have a client coming in on a Tuesday night and spending a lot of money on you and you might be lucky. And dancing is a gamble. That's what it is. So, Gigi, what can you give as tips for ordinary girls who want to spice up their own relationships or sex lives at home? What kinds of – like, how does how does a stripper prepare when she's getting ready in the dressing room for the guys who are coming in? And how can women who are at home with a husband or a boyfriend learn things that they can do in, in, in the house as well that will just spice things up a little bit? Maybe it's to do with, with smells or with, with creams or with – the, the way that you dance or the way that you listen or the way you respond. or And obviously this goes for guys too in terms of trying to spice up the sex life for their girlfriend or wife. Yeah. I always tell the girls that um, being a stripper is not about being the best dancer. It's about being the best listener. Hmm. Because I, I've got a lot of guys coming into the club, sitting down, just talking to the girls. And I think... A lot of times people, even in a, in a relationship, in a, in a marriage, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of role-playing, putting on something sexy, putting, putting me on a bath, massaging each other. But really listening to each other is important because people, people don't spend enough time. I think in a marriage, people like in my first marriage, I didn't spend a lot of time with my husband. Yeah. He, was, he was traveling. Um, he was traveling most of the time. I was dancing all the time. I never listened to him. He never listened to me, you know. And I, th- I think if people just spend more quality time together and go to a strip club and go have a dance. Go and take the girls for a dance as a married couple. It's a lot of fun. Okay, but there are a lot of women who don't understand that and they think that if their husband takes them to a strip club, it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and weird and they're not going to enjoy it. Yes. But talk about that first. First, talk about if you, if you, when you really, if, if, if you as a male has always been had a fascination with, it's really nice to see two girls being close to each other. And a woman's skin is so nice and it's soft and it smells, just smells good. Um, but just experiment with different things, I think. But just start with a little massage for each other at home, um, drawing a bath and spending some time and putting some candles on and. Stuff like that. Mm, okay. And then, and then come and come. We, we get so many group of girls coming in just by themselves and jumping yeah. on stage and just experimenting with their sensuality. Sometimes we can't get these girls off the stage. They enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's amazing how sometimes uh, you get a little bit of a taste of it and some of these girls really like it, huh? Yes, yes. Yeah. So we, we see more and more women coming into the club together in groups. We see more married couples coming in together. Um, but there's really a, a, a place for a strip club to, you know, I think it's a bit of marriage counseling in a strip club. Just pass up things, pass up your, your, your married life. Um, best stripper song in the world? I mean, you mentioned Mustang Sally, which was yours. But, but are Mustang there, Sally. Oh, Sally Ride. <laughs> are there some other songs that you think of that you're like, yo, that's a great song to strip to? I love Hotel California. I love Hotel California. I think that's a great strip song. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, old, but I just like the old rock stuff. Yeah. You know, the old rock, rock songs is, is good. Absolutely. You know, you've got to have a song with attitude to use as, sure. a, as a stripping song. But Mustang Sally's my all-time favorite. And, and for a lot of these girls, if you become a, a, a dancer, that doesn't mean that you're going to stay a dancer forever. Some of them do it for a short time. Some of them do it for much longer. You've gone ahead and proven that you can become a businesswoman. You can open up your own venue. You can, you can become a property mogul. All of this stuff is possible. It doesn't have to be a one-track thing. So for a lot of girls who are trying to decide whether or not they're going to be strippers or not, they, they worried that that's going to be the story of their life forever. No, there's a lot of, lot of, I mean, it's mostly in the evenings when the clubs are open. So you can, you can do other things in the day. You can still study and put yourself through varsity with your, with your money that you make as, as, as a stripper. That's what I see now. That's what a lot of the girls are doing. But if you dance with a dream, if you have your eyes on a dream and you come in and you put your money away and you save your money, anything is possible. Um, you can buy your first car, get rid of the loser boyfriend. Decide when you want to have your babies. Um, I've got a lot of a lot of girls are single parents and they look after their kids so well and they the kids are in very good schools. They dance for their kids. So everybody's got a different ideal and a different uh, goal. Um, but there's definitely there's money to be made in a strip club. And if you if you're a young girl and you don't need to take drugs or drink to dance, well then this is the perfect job for you to make extra money. Well, I, I hope you're going to make many other dreams come true like yours have. And it's always lovely to speak to you. Um, and, and I hope we'll see you soon in studio. Thank you. Thanks, Gareth. Love you Thank lots. You. Be good, Gigi. Thank you. Bye.